Hello, Sarah? Are you there? Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. Why are you whispering? I'm I'm in the National Gallery of Slovenia right now. I'm trying not to disturb the other patrons. Okay. Why don't you just call me back? Welcome to another episode of Sundowners. Where's my wife? Long-distance conversations about architecture, place, and global travel. I'm Sarah Rovang. And I'm John Golden. And where is my wife this week? I'm in the Slovenian capital of Ljubljana. And how is that? And how was your pronunciation of it? Um, I would say getting there, like 90%. Uh, it's a work in progress. But the, uh, the city itself is gorgeous. Um, even though it's winter, it's still a really lovely city. Yeah, so how long have you been in, in Ljubljana? <laughs> I've been in Ljubljana for uh, five full days now, so I'm here for six nights. And are you staying in the Slovenian capital city there, or are you exploring the rest of the countryside? Um, so I've spent most of my time in the city, um, but I, I have taken a couple of trips, um, the main one being to Idrija, sorry, Idria. Um, Got to remember that that J does not sound like a J in Slovenian. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, so what in my name in Slovenian would be like Jan or something? Or? <laughs> I think so. Um, the brother of my Airbnb host was named something that sounded like Mike, but it was spelled M-A-J. <laughs> and my Airbnb host name was spelled L-A-N. Mm -hmm. And his name sounded actually like John. Huh. So crazy. So this is all sort of these Slavic languages, right? I mean, this is a very different, right. um, different historical background. And I guess that probably shows up culturally, right? I mean, how, how European is this versus how sort of Eastern and Eastern European would you say that Slovenia has been? Well, I think it has a very European flavor in a lot of ways, just because Slovenia has been under Habsburg rule for so long. Um, and then after the Habsburgs, part of it was controlled by Italy, and then it became part of Yugoslavia, and then um, the sort of Yugoslavian socialist state after World War II. And finally, now we know that former Yugoslavia has broken into um, Slovenia, Macedonia, Bosnia, Croatia, and I think that's it. Isn't there like the Herzegovina or something? But sure, anyway. yeah. It, it's, it, this is just a part of Europe that I think a lot of um, people in the United States are less familiar with. And it was certainly, you know, a process of going to a lot of um, history museums for me to try to kind of get up to speed on this aspect of um, history that we aren't typically taught in either a world history course or a European history course. Yeah, and I mean, it is really crammed up right next to Italy, right? I mean, it was a, it was a short trip from Trieste to, to Ljubljana, but it sounds like kind of 
the the history of the area and and what sort of what has been through is is quite different. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least for parts of the country, because the western half um, was occupied by the Italians for over two decades mm. between the two world wars. Um, so there are parts of Slovenia that do feel culturally quite at- Italian. But then there are also parts of Italy. So I was in the, the city of Trieste last week, which was actually part of the Austro-Hungarian um, Empire, the Habsburg Empire, um, <clears throat> for quite a long time as well. So there are definitely parts of Italy that don't feel like Italy. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not all Florence basically, or Rome. No, it's, it's certainly not. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the sort of the globalism of Europe and then the sort of impact of these shifting empires and uh, colonial powers, you kind of get a better sense of that as you move east across Europe, actually. Right. Well, and, and I feel like, you know, again, one of the, the constant themes of Sundowners um up there with architecture has been nationalism, right? And the idea of nations and the ways that the modern nation state is is so inextricably tied to industrialization. Um, and and Europe is such a great uh, test tube for all of this because you have all of these big dynasties and empires that are existing and then they're fracturing just as industrialism is rising. And so you have this kind of amazing mixture of the two leading to these kind of arbitrary definitions of now what is Slovenia, what is uh, Italy, these kind of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Slovenia is an interesting example, though, because they have been sort of dominated and overrun by so many other um, empires and nations more recently that there's actually a lot of resistance there to the idea of nationalism as as a positive thing. I mean, I think Mm. people are proud to be culturally Slovenian, but I don't think they are um, patriotic in the same way that a lot of people are in the United States, for instance, where being an American is, you know, really the thing that you cling to and this sort of idea of national boundaries and borders that we have. For the Slovenians, it's a it's a shared cultural and ethnic identity and a shared language identity um, because the, the Slovene people have really had to fight for their language um, when they were occupied by the Italians, for instance. The Italians basically forbid them from speaking Slovenian, um, and that mm. was a really traumatic thing um, to the point where actually um, earlier on... <laughs> um, Slovenia had been occupied by Napoleon's army um, and Napoleon let them speak Slovenian. So there's actually a monument to Napoleon in one of their squares as kind of (laughs) like, thank you for kind of respecting us, which I I, I think is very funny. (laughs) Um, It's interesting because, you know, some of the other slightly more Eastern um, European countries, I'm thinking of Poland, you know, are really struggling with nationalism and populism and uh, anti-immigrant fervor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounds like Slovenia is is a counterpoint to that. So, I mean, what, did it, what are the politics like in Slovenia? Does it feel like it's it's very pro EU, kind of pro everybody, or? Well, i i think I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I think that 
uh, Slovenia has done very well for itself economically by becoming a really integral member of the EU. I mean, the fact mm. that it's it's part of this um, sub-segment of the EU where you can travel and not show your passport. So, for instance, you know, flying from Slovenia to France, like, you don't have to show your passport. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's part of this sphere. And that, that makes it really easy for other Europeans to take a long weekend there, the fact that they don't have to, like, mess with customs or anything. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, let's. Can we talk a little bit about about tourism too? I mean, yeah. What what is the tourism infrastructure like in Slovenia? Has it been easy to be a tourist there? It's been extremely easy. I mean, especially as a native English speaker, and I think that especially on this European leg of the journey, the fact that I am a native English speaker, I'm realizing how much privilege is actually attached to that you know i i was mm. aware of it in the other places that we traveled as well but in europe having a competency in english carries you quite far um so in slovenia the default second language is english because there are only about two million slovenian speakers so you know the sort of next most sensical language to learn in our global economy is English. And so everyone speaks English, which makes it really easy to get around. Um, and so all the tours I went on were offered in Slovenian and English. So very yeah. good. What were some of the, the highlights from the tours? Um, you know, I really got quite a variety um, within my time here. Um, I took the very standard tour of the city center, sort of the, the official tour offered by the city. Cause I was just curious to sort of, and I talked about this a bit in the newsletter this week, curious to see, you know, what the city prides itself in, what the sort of official line is. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also sort of as a counterpoint to that took a, a tour with an architecture student who's about my age Um and is interested in a lot of different things. He actually survived as a street artist for five years before going back to finish his architecture degree. So he has a very different viewpoint on the city um, than, uh, you know, the the official line (laughs) being given. Um, And for him, the city is facing a lot of issues with gentrification, this sort of rapid rise of Slovenian tourism um, has made it a lot more difficult, it sounds like, for young artists to be able to live in Ljubljana and survive there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was interesting sort of comparing those two tours. Um, and then the, the trip that I took out to Idria to see the Mercury Mine was also really fascinating. Yeah, I don't imagine a lot of people have toured a Mercury Mine. I mean... I guess people don't really tour mines that much at all, but it sounds like the Mercury mine is kind of a, a big deal in, in Slovenia. It is, yeah. Um, it's certainly something that everyone knows about. You know, you tell them that you're going mm-hmm. to Idria and they're not like, why are you going there? Which was definitely the reaction <laughs> with some of the other mine towns that we visited. Um, yeah. But yeah, Idria, Idria is very well known and it's UNESCO nomination, I think has really done a lot for the town. And just when I went there, seeing that there was quite a bit of tourism and keep in mind, this is February. 
Um, right. And they, they only run mine tours on the weekends um, when it's winter. Um, but there were just people in line when this place opened to, to take a tour of the mine. And it was really split half and half between Slovenians and foreign tourists. Oh, that's great. Wow. Yeah, it was it was surprising because, you know, you and I have been on a lot of mine tours where it was just us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, very good. So, yeah, I mean, so it's it sounds like this uh, Slovenia is, is much more popular as a as a weekend trip for for Europeans. Right. Because, again, I don't think Americans are really aware of Slovenia. There haven't been a lot of New York Times travel columns about the trendy new place to go is Slovenia, but it sounds like it's, it's got a lot of infrastructure there and it, it's, it's quite a, a pleasant place to travel around and very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there actually was a 36 hours in Ljubljana column in okay, 2017, well. I think. So it definitely <laughs> is. I, I think it's emerging. I think people are, mm-hmm. are becoming more aware of it. And I think, you know, part of the attraction is both the, already developed tourist infrastructure and part of it is that it's a lot cheaper than places like france or germany got it got it yeah that's that's always good but it's still on the euro right it is still on the euro Uh, yeah yeah um also okay so actually back to your uh various activities in slovenia so what is the i did it for the architectural history this week um I guess I would say that that my trip to Idria would count for (laughs) that. Um, It certainly was not the most arduous journey that I've taken. It was really easy to find a bus out there. Um, But it did still have that kind of off the beaten path vibe that I tend to Mm -hmm. think of uh, characterizing this segment. (laughs) Very good. Um, And yeah, what has the architecture been like in, in Slovenia? It's been surprising and delightful i would say that's Um, good yeah yeah so um i don't know if you are familiar with the architecture of the vienna secession um Uh, but no (laughs) (laughs) um so that that period in um art and architecture that in belgium and france is really characterized by the art nouveau is that a more approachable that, starting point? Those are words I know. Okay, so so lots of use of wrought iron and flowing, curving shapes. Um, it's typically seen as sort of a, a more feminine style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the sort of manifestation of that in Vienna is kind of um, more of a bridge between Art Nouveau and then the the geometries of what we think of as Art Deco. Um, So the Viennese secession architecture uh, is a little bit more geometric, but it's still very ornamental. And, And it's one of these styles that in some way bridges traditional historicist 19th century styles and a new kind of modern take on architecture. Um, So because Vienna was the capital of the Habsburg Empire, um, a lot of that same kind of architecture shows up in Ljubljana. Um, How far away is Vienna from Ljubljana? um, I'm not exactly sure. 
because there are also mountains. <laughs> mm, um, okay. But it's it's not a very long flight, and there was a lot of back and forth. So um, Slovenia's most famous architect, Plesnik, Jose Plesnik, um, again, 90% correct pronunciation, mm-hmm. um, trained in Vienna and then came back to Ljubljana. So there was a okay. lot of going and, and exchange of ideas during the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the cultural relationship between Vienna and Ljubljana is very tight. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that, but then there's also, um, as soon as Slovenia becomes part of Yugoslavia, this whole new, uh, kingdom and then later socialist Republic, um, Mm. things start to change and there's, there's more of this idea of carving out an independent identity um, connected to a a Slavic cultural identity, but also then after World War II, um, a socialist identity. And so a lot of the the architecture that you see um, in Ljubljana comes from this this period of socialism um, under Tito. Who's who's Tito? Um, He was... (laughs) one of those those fun cold war personalities um who is essentially <laughs> oh, I should maybe look back in my my playing card stack of cold war personalities and see if you can <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> gotta catch them all mm-hmm. um yeah but but tito was um one of those those sort of cold war essentially dictators um who uh, had a very forceful personality. Um, and yeah, Yugoslavia is kind of an interesting case because it's, it's you know, it was a socialist state. Um, and as, as the various Slovenians I, I talked to took pains to mention, you know, Yugoslavia still maintained relationships with the United States at the same time that it maintained relationships with the Soviet Union. So it was kind of in this Mm -hmm. really precarious place. It was not exactly on the other side of the Iron Curtain, but it was pretty close. Right. And yeah, I I guess I I get the feeling that Slovenia really does occupy the sort of interesting boundary in many senses, you know, geographically and sort of historically in that kind of Eastern, Western point i mean it sounds like a yes a, a real mixing mixing pot yeah it, yeah i think that that's a really good way to put it um yeah it does and i think i think Ljubljana as as the capital um particularly in its architecture captures this uh that that sort of boundary condition yeah and i mean so you've described a lot of kind of the european feels but do you have there been any hints of kind of Mother Russia communism, you know, old school Yugoslavia? <laughs> well, you know, I think, and and I, I'm talking a little bit outside my comfort zone right now because I I don't know that much about the ways in which architecture was practiced in um, non-U.S. contexts during the post-war period, mm-hmm. um, but. There, there were a lot of government commissions. Most architects work directly for the government. Um, and one of my guides was kind of explaining that the firms would kind of divide up 
work by like, okay, you do um, these university buildings. Uh, my firm is going to do like weird modernist gas pump architecture. And then this other guy <laughs> is going to going to work on more kind of um, industrial corporate stuff. Um, hmm. So I, I think there, there was just a different way of getting commissions and assigning work. And I think that that in some ways maybe allowed more experimentation with the architecture itself for, mm. for both good and for bad. <laughs> Cause you know, some okay. experiments work out really well and some not, not so great. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, but I guess it sounds like overall, I mean, you've, you've had a, a pleasant time. Would you, would you recommend Slovenia to people looking for an, a little outside of the bo normal box European adventure? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's a, a place that's really approachable in part because um, the transit, the country is small. So the transit system works really efficiently and Ljubljana as a capital um, is completely walkable. You can basically walk across the city from end to end in about 20 to 30 minutes um oh wow because yeah. it's it's right sort of at the the saddle of two mountain ranges um mm. so there there's no geographical way to really expand the city um it's just right at this this low-lying point at a very strategic point historically and so it's mm. it's just it has to be a small city because of the way that it's situated so Oh, that's really cool. Um, and, and how is the travel going just on a more personal level? How are you holding up? I It's been really, in some ways, liberating to travel by myself, but it's also been a little bit lonely, I would say. Um, you know, you get these sort of intense moments of connection, being on this day-long <laughs> walking tour, um, with the architecture student that I mentioned, um, you know, that was a, a really sort of great day of like meeting new people and connecting, but those days are kind of few and far between. And there are definitely a lot more days of just wandering around museums by myself. And mm -hmm. I, while I am an introvert and certainly enjoy my own company, you do kind of get in your head a little bit if you do too much of that. And so it's, you know, I always enjoy talking with you or talking with other friends and family uh, just to get a little bit more, more human contact in my life. Yeah, you could uh, FaceTime video chat with people while you're doing the museum and kind of show people <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying. You could be that annoying person. I could be that annoying person. Yeah, I don't know if my stingy European data plan, though, would support that. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> But, I mean, overall, so it sounds like this was a successful first trip away from Paris then? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, there's there's this sort of, <laughs> the, the kind of cliche analogy that, that came to mind when I was in Slovenia was um, movies like Princess Diaries, or we watched The Christmas Prince on Netflix recently um, while we were trying to, to kill some time um, in Chile. Um, but they, they kind of have this image of these tiny picturesque European countries that few people have ever heard of. And I, I think 
even though they're really exaggerated, obviously, and really over the top, there is at least some basis in reality and that the the sort of canonical Western Europe that most people from the United States think of is actually not the whole picture. And there's there's really so much more to the European continents than we give it credit for. Yeah, it's it's not just Germany, France, Italy. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm I'm glad you've been having a good adventure then. How are things going in Santa Fe? Last night, actually, Nessa heard a pack of coyotes yipping in the distance, and she just about lost her mind. She was just oh, no. running around the house, yipping and barking, and just wondering, you know, clearly there's the most interesting thing happening somewhere, and I need to, to know more. And so that was... <laughs> Pretty exciting. Even Pluto got in on it, and he was kind of barking, too, and everybody was just like, whoa, red alert. So that's my my John's Animal Corner for the week. Excellent, excellent. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess before we wrap up, we have to do our good look, not a good look. So what's your your good look for the week, Sarah? I think my good look for the week is self-deprecating humor. That was something that at least all of these Slovenians that I talked to really excelled in. Um, mm. And it was it was usually really charming and uh, quite in opposition to some of the like crazy nationalism um, of other places that we've traveled. So I, yeah, I, I quite right. enjoyed the, the Slovenian sense of humor. Excellent. How about you? What was your uh, good look for the week? Uh, I think my good look for the week um, has been asking questions. I feel like I'm, I'm okay. trying to, to get better at asking questions, kind of using this podcast partially as a testing ground for that. And um, you know, it's just nice to, to not talk about yourself for a while and just hear other people talk. So that's, that's not right. very new, but that's, that's, where I, that's what I'm vibing on this week. Nice. Um, well, and, and thanks so, to our listeners for uh, for listening to this first kind of truly off-the-cusp um, episode of Sundowners. That's right. Uh, so, what's your not-a-good-look this week? Oh, man. Um, I would say that mansplaining on the internet, um, I mean... <laughs> Not that it's a revelation that that's not a good look, but sometimes mm-hmm. you just need a, a little bit of a reminder. Um, I got an Instagram comment today from a complete stranger, um, mansplaining my own field to me, and it was just not a good look. So. No, no, that's that's too bad. Yeah, well, I guess I guess you're sufficiently famous now to be getting random men <laughs> on the internet telling you what you already Take know. Take that mansplaining as a compliment. That's right. <laughs> uh, how about you? What's what's what hasn't been a good look for you this week? Um, I think the the roads in Santa Fe haven't. They've looked better. It's not been a okay. great look. Um, the you know the post post snow and ice and things like that. Some epic potholes have opened up, kind of all over town. And oh um, no, yeah, I've had to. And to sort of swerve out of the way, and it's been it's been a bumpy ride the last week or so. Um, but uh, anyway, I think that's it for the week, listeners. Yeah, again, I hope you've enjoyed this sort of improvised style where 
both, I guess, getting getting lazy and more comfortable with the medium and trying to, to do less scripting. But, uh, you know, let us know if you prefer things more more tight or if it's if it's fun just to hear us ramble. <laughs> That's right. Um, as always, our theme music is by the Liminianas. And happy trails, listeners. Mm-hmm.